0: Might I get my first win in this week's Thursday Night Time Machine?
1: You're down 3-0. It's 5.52 p.m. in the middle of Virginia on a Thursday. I've got Bucks 24, Bears 16.
0: Ooh, we got ourselves a win here. I got Bucks 24, Bears 20. Okay. You're in okay. a you're in a tough spot. All I have to do is, is hope for a close ball game.
1: Six is a push. Seven plus I get it.
0: Yeah, you're the math guy. announcement before the pod starts. Uh, We had a guy named J.B. Smoove on today. You might know him from Curb. I'll talk about that. But he says the F-word a lot. We said the F-word a lot. Uh, I want to apologize if for some reason you missed this message and you are adverse to the F-word because there's a lot of F-words today. Just warning you. All right, guys. So um, another draw, a push, if you will. And I got to get some wins or I'm going to the Waffle House. It is one forty-nine a.m. Yep, still awake, still podcasting. You'll listen to me about four or five hours if you're one of the early birds. Um, the reason I'm still up is I do Thursday night football now uh, for Amazon. I do live stream with Carrie Champion and Andrew Hawkins, and it's a blast. But it's hard to watch the game because we talk about everything under the sun, which is really cool. It's like a podcast. And, you know, Hawk and Kerry are in LA, and I'm here in Virginia, and all the technical stuff, it's amazing what they can do. We're like superimposed over, you know, the live stream. So if you ever do want to check that out, check that out. Um, but needless to say, I want to watch the game. If I'm going to give you guys five, 10 minutes of analysis, and after this game, I am fucking rushing to my chair to talk to you about this game. I want to know what happened. So I rushed through the replay. And man, what a wild game. As I was watching it with Carry and Hawk, and I'm just seeing Brady kind of lose his shit, I didn't fully grasp with, you know, 50% of my attention on Hawk and Carry and the conversations we were having at 50 on the game. I didn't grasp the multitude of meltdown worthy moments this cat had tonight. I mean, and a lot of them were warranted. By the way, does anybody outwork this fucking podcast studio? I mean, we work in here like we're CNN. So, I mean, like we work like we have 7 million people listening to this podcast. That's because uh, we don't want to waste your time. Uh, Cowboy Reed's probably like, you're wasting my fucking time. (laughs) He laughed. He's behind the big machine there. The game was awesome, dude. Sunday deserved that game. We're gonna talk about the slate of Sunday games on this podcast. It's atrocious. This game deserved Sunday. Sunday deserved this game. Thursday night was lucky to have this game. Thursday night should never have this game again. I'm actually upset that this game was Thursday night. Uh, I don't know if that's bad for business with my streaming side gigs, so let me, not, let me just stop there. But um, yeah, it would have been nice on a Sunday. Soldier Field looked beautiful, gorgeous. Has to be up there, you know, nighttime shot. I know Kyle would tell you this. Chicago skyline, gorgeous. And that stadium, although some people don't love the old and the new, I love the old and the new. Uh, it's a restoration. And you had Van Halen coming out of commercial or coming into commercial night. rest in peace. And then Fleetwood Mac, you know, like a bunch of young kids know them some Fleetwood Mac now. Shout out to the dude on the skateboard who Ocean Spray gave a truck this week. That's, I mean like, can't make this shit up. I love Joe, and I love Troy, so that was, that was great. Uh, it was a good listen, and uh, did Brady take this game personally? I, I got that question a lot this week. I got it on the live stream with Kerry. I got it, you know, I think I did another interview and somebody asked me about, you know, who's taking this more personally. Brady takes shit personal, and if you're the GOAT and you aspire to be the GOAT, or if you're anybody, in sports, you should take things personal. So I hate the saying, and you've probably heard me say this before, don't take it personal. Everything's personal. Foles is the streakiest motherfucker of all time. And that was so fun to watch. Me sitting here on my couch in my office, skimming through that game, watching him make the transformation that only he could make through 60 minutes. Watching a guy I count as like a buddy doing that and you're just like, it's surreal. It's surreal seeing this guy go head to head again with the GOAT in a totally different game than the Super Bowl and coming out on top again. Like what's going on here, okay? They threw the ball combined 91 times in the Super Bowl. I don't know what they threw combined tonight but it wasn't much compared to that shootout a couple years ago, but he found a way to win this one too. It's just crazy to see a guy who can have ups and downs like Nick Foles have the ups he has at the absolute right times. It's pretty cool. He missed throws early and often. Last week he missed them too. Um, Indy, he missed a lot of throws. He misses Robinson in the flat on third and two, right off the bat, next possession. He throws a back shoulder fade um, to Robinson, well it's not a fade per se, he's just back shoulder, sorry, it's late. And uh ball gets picked. It's not the worst throw in the world, but he also has an early miss of Mooney, the rookie on a post corner that uh, Andrew Hawkins, my counterpart that I mentioned earlier, absolutely loved the route. There was a ton of separation, he misses him badly. Um, and he's off again on third down, then you punt. Does Nick Foles care? Fuck no, he doesn't care. He really does not care. Like, look at his face, he does not care. It's 13-nothing with seven to go, and again, does not care. Just orchestrates a drive, wakes that shit up, gets six. Uh, Then you get the Bucks mistakes and Foles capitalizing. The biggest play of the game, 143 to go. It's Kyle Fuller with a picture-perfect hit in a game where violence at the second level is so hard to litigate, I think we would've boycotted football had they called a penalty there. The penalty had been upheld. It was a gorgeous football hit, and there was no helmet to helmet. There was actually no helmet involved, and the ball comes out, and Tom got whoever it was killed, but Fuller with a great play. But Tom got that guy laid out, and Robert Quinn was really heads up to pick the ball up. Next thing you know, Nick Foles, dime to Jimmy Graham, out of bounds. He hits Patterson along the right side, and then another dime to Jimmy Graham. Well, I guess by dime I mean only Jimmy Graham can catch the ball he throws. And it's a spectacular catch. The first half under is dead at this point. I got it at 21 and a half. And it was the right side, guys. Tom Brady backed up less than two minutes ago. There should not have been a score. It should have been punt and we're done, and I collect. Foles is the grim reaper of my bank account. I called him the uh, Shade Advisor Grim Reaper a couple weeks ago for what he did in, in, in Atlanta killing the fifth leg of my parlay. Yeah, he did it again. Killed me on the first half under. And he's like this benevolent voice in my head, that's like, Chris, why do you do that? Why do you gamble? You don't need to do that. And he means it. And he's right. I'm not betting against Nick Foles anymore. But I didn't know I was two weeks ago. I thought I was betting against Mitch Trubisky. Um, Then in the second half, you find out why Brady was so mad, and wow, dude. Like, wow. One of the most frustrating sequences I've ever seen him probably experience. And then one of the coolest, most badass sequences I've ever seen through the eyes of a D lineman, right off the bat, you get the Mac sack, which rhymes. And that was super cool. But it was at eight or nine yards. So like I've been watching Wirfs. I pumped him up last week. He played just fine tonight. He's playing an absolute tank in Khalil Mack. And really on that play he wasn't that bad. You know, Brady was a little bit deep in his drop, but the body slam, I mean I don't know if you thought the ball was actually maybe still live, and you were trying to finish or you were frustrated, but there's your welcome to the NFL moment on a big stage. Listen, the kid played a decent game from what I saw. Now I gotta go back and watch again, but Mack has the coolest pre-snap close up in prime time. And you know what I'm talking about. When they zoom in on a rusher in his stance on third down or in a big situation, Khalil Mack has by far the most badass one. Probably followed by Zadarius Smith, not far behind, but Khalil Mack is fucking Bane. You know, that's what my brother called him. He played with him in Chicago. He said, that dude's like Bane. And when they when they zoom in on him in prime time, you know somebody's about to get that work. Uh, you had Gronk with the penalty right after this to compound things, third and twenty one. They had a lot of trouble in the red zone. And here's another trip. Uh, in the high red when they got in the you know plus territory, they just couldn't turn it into touchdowns. They had to kick about eight field goals tonight. I'm sure the math is right here. I, I'm not able to do it right now. Third and 21, obviously they don't get it, field goal. Then the drive from hell, okay? Tom Brady actually entered the seventh circle of hell. Like this is Brady's purgatory, this drive right here. And I think Brady's going to heaven, but if he goes to hell, this fucking drive. On loop, forever. Ryan Jensen's head spinning. Just spinning around. Um, <laughs> Ryan Jensen's head spinning right now. I'm, it's two in the morning, I'm guaranteeing you he's not, he's not sleeping right now. He's still at the stadium, but he might not sleep at all tonight. <laughs> Brady might be at his door at six in the morning. But yeah, this, this is, I think about snakes, I think about fire. I think about like business-related lunches. That's my hell, purgatory. It's this drive for Brady. You get a worse holding first and twenty. You get an OPI on uh, on thirteen. Uh, you get a coverage sack on another first and thirty. And this is Mac getting the sack, but it's actually Brent Urban walking back Marpet. Wahua, wah. you you'll hear his name again. And this is another body slam situation here. Khalil Mack is just body slamming everybody. He's like Stone Cold Steve Austin stunning the entire Vince McMahon family. (laughs) Like, that's one of my favorite clips on the internet. Khalil Mack was doing that to like everybody tonight. And I I actually thought he was just trying to finish the play here. He got flagged, um, so it keeps going. First and 30 again. Then you get the Jensen play. And he just looks like a hothead. Listen, he plays hard. You just, when you have a face like that, you get mad. And I'm not saying, what I mean is he's just this fiery looking dude. You just know he's got a short fuse. And I watch him play, and he has a short fuse. You just know that. Um, so it's second and 34, third and 34. He's got Evans to compound things after that entire experience. He has Evans and can't hit him. And Evans doesn't look like he's running at full speed. I almost felt like he was there to be a red zone threat tonight, the hammy, you know? Uh, and there's a hold on top of that. And so, then we've got a punt, and we have a really cool shot of Foles, Nagy, Trubisky, huddled up. I love this, because you can see the dynamic of Foles being like a real kind of communicative leader. Like, he'll do that when things are good and when they're bad. And he talks to, he talks to coaches, um, he has this great way of communicating, and you also, like, I got to tip my cap to Mitch Trubisky, who's right there in the picture, by the way, who's listening intently, who's not moping. It's been a tough couple weeks for him, and it, it's got to be human nature tough to see Nick orchestrate this thing. But hats off to Mitch. He's been really classy. Um, then you get Gronk catching a screen, and I think America unanimously was like, yeah, dude, dude's legs don't feel good. Which I understand, dude. Like old er now and you've been out of football for a year or two. It's not easy, bro. I know it's not easy. I can only imagine trying to get off a fucking couch right now. I'd look probably fifteen times worse running. Seventeen sixteen. Khalil Mack's third sack, really. Uh, at this point. Takes an inside move, one step up and inside Donovan. Uh and this was the moment. This was like his I mean, he was just looking right through Brady's face. Like, just kneeling over him. And just, like, wasn't saying anything. (laughs) Had to be the most emasculating moment on a football field I've ever seen. And Brady is just like, holy shit, he looks up and he's like, god damn, you? Again? Like, what the fuck? I don't know if he's mad at the, the, the left tackle or if he's like, Give me some space in this situation, considering the context of everything. Or if it's just like, I'm so tired of this missile hitting me in the back of the head. Third and 17, Gronk just short. You get a quick Foles possession. 2.47 to go, this is where it gets interesting. 15 seconds is all the Bucks eat off the clock with the lead. You got an Urban TFL to start off. I told you you'd hear his name again. Wahua, wah, and then Jensen gets worked on second down. And this is one that'll get lost in the shuffle. Not to Tom Brady, it won't. Second down, Jensen gets worked, and uh, you got a pressure that causes them to turn a check down into an incompletion, and one of the biggest culprits of that drive being such a time bust was that play. The third play um, was, I believe, a low throw, and just like that, goddamn, t- if tomorrow was Monday, Jensen's my hollow man. Might still make him the hollow man on Monday. This is this shit, just the gift that keeps giving. And I'm, I'm not saying, I mean, I feel for him. It's just, I feel good being on the couch right now. That's a pressure packed situation out there on that field. The punt to midfield, you get a third and nine to Miller, Foles converts. No surprise. What a throw to Montgomery. My goodness. That was a Russell Wilson Angry Birds special. Just an arky drop in the bucket. Teardrop. And they're moving. So they're driving. It's obvious they're going to kick a field goal. It just matters when they're going to kick a field goal. Um, to me, I would have liked to see them run the ball and get under a minute. Troy Aikman agreed. So I feel like You know, great minds. I don't know if you consider, I consider Troy a great mind. I would have rather them run the ball instead of throwing what was a great toss to Allen Robinson back shoulder. I'd rather see them just burn another 30, 40 seconds off, get under a minute before they kick that field goal. And There's no gimmies in Chicago. I was there, uh, double doink. It was tipped. Trayvon Hester, shout out, big shouts out. Um, I think that was the same spot on the field maybe the same location, and I'm just thinking like, kicks, Chicago, I don't know, but still, a minute to go, Brady gets the ball back, he's got 40 yards uh, to get into field goal range. I don't love my chances, even though the Bears have been kicking ass all night long, I would've run the ball. Um, And yeah, from there, Brady still thinks it's third down, I guess, was the big story. I have no idea what happened there, he's holding up four fingers, at midfield after the fourth down. See, Brady fucked my head up. Golly, I can't wait to hear what they say about that. Bruce Arians actually says that Tom did know that it was fourth down. Bruce Arians wasn't watching Thursday night football, evidently. I was watching Thursday night football. <laughs> it looked like Tom didn't know what down it was. A million snaps in a league. People have mental lapses. Uh, but that makes everything to that point even more frustrating because now Brady's probably like, man, I fucked up too, we all took a turn tonight. Uh, but Brady's right, that culture needs to improve and that's what I'm hearing is, like I'm not saying Bruce hasn't set a good culture down there, I'm just saying like certain players are not up to Tom's standard. And you saw that when he ran off the field, was yelling at uh, Jensen and Gronk's just sitting on, on the bench like, fuck dude. Like kind of just looking straight down like the other kid. It's watching their brother get yelled at. Yeah, so like, there's there's a lot of work to do in Tampa, but also a big win for Nick and the Bears. You never know what it means. And I don't know what it means with with Tom and Tampa. I thought that was a tough matchup for them tonight. Uh, But, great game. Thursday night football, still kinda drunk. Last stat here from Cowboy Reed. He uh, slid this my way. Record. Six attempts, uh, zero completions on 20 yard passes downfield after leading the league in yards and completions. Um, That was Brady tonight. Bad drives, penalties. He's He's gonna light that stupid MGM grand Photoshop picture of all the Buccaneers guys on offense on fire tomorrow. And Jensen's getting grounded. All right, enjoy the pod. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, this is your host, Chris Long. I'm here with my co-host, Making Gunter, and today we have uh, a football pack show, but right in the middle we have, this is a great guest. He was a lot of fun. We already did the interview. J.B. Smoove from uh, Curb. You know him as Leon. Uh, also, a huge Jets fan. So, we're gonna talk about the Jets and uh, probably a few other things. I have a feeling it's, it's not gonna just, stay with football here. Uh, also uh, I take a long look at Dallas's defense the implosion Sunday as well as the Dwayne Haskins news this week. Getting ahead of it. Shout out to that fly. Shouts out to the fly from the uh the VP debate. Uh-huh. We put our heads together on some math last night about 11:52 p.m. to figure out how many uh adjusted like uh human being.
1: Yeah. I noticed you took the credit for the math. Meanwhile, well, I was busting my brain over You at just came my at it home. a different
0: way. What I was trying to to figure out was the okay, a fly lives an average of twenty-eight days, a human seventy-nine years. So the fly spent two minutes on Mike Pence's head. Now twenty-eight days is one one thousandth of seventy nine years. So we live a thousand times longer than the average house fly, which is an interesting fact. I didn't think they lived that long. Really nice lifespan for something so insignificant. Uh, It's not like a mosquito or like some of those flies that hatch and die right away that you see on planet Earth. These fucking house flies live for 28 days. This fly spent two minutes in the limelight on Mike Pence's dome. Why he spent that much time, I don't know. But we did the math. Two minutes for a fly on Mike Pence's dome is the human equivalent of 33 hours that fly spent a long time on Buddy's Dome.
1: And you asked me a very straightforward question. My first answer to you was, our minute is 0. .00097104 as long as a fly is relative to lifespan. That would have been a worse tweet than what you tweeted yeah, out.
0: Yeah, see I'm the guy that packages it. Um, you were you, you the guy that I, and to be fair, I didn't just text you. I, don't, I know that you might have felt special because I went to you for math needs I also texted somebody else.
1: You're a jack wagon. Who got the answer uh, back first?
0: Uh, You got the answer back first. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, So yeah, that fly spent a while. I think once he got to the shitter, he was a little bit confused. I think. (laughs) (laughs) We're not getting political here, right? That's right. That's right. Just a good spirited debate. Shouts out to Grace from Philly, a loyal listener and uh, a follower of uh, me on the Twitter website, she alerted me that they had these wonderful Eagles tie-dye t-shirts at Dick's Sporting Goods. Now that's a very regional thing, so I can't go down to my local Dick's and snag an Eagles tie-dye. You good? Yep. Is it the sporting goods? Is it the sporting goods store name? Keep going. Grace was nice enough to send me to my P.O. box a, uh, the entire family some shirts. So we're all outfitted in tie-dye. Appreciate you, Grace. That's awesome, how many X? This is a two X. Still rocking the two X. It's a good fit. Yeah, it's a good fit. We did shout out the fly already. Uh, I want to shouts out Zadarius Smith if I could beat any rusher. I, there's, there's maybe better defensive players in the NFL, but this guy is just a fucking rolling ball of butcher knives. He's cool really cool. How could you be any cooler? Might be the coolest elite defensive player, in my opinion. Right? I also want to shout out uh, the BudoS fan. I was alerted that... Uh, BudoS. Home, homeboy on the sacks, Jared, is a fan. I don't know if he's a, a loyal listener or if he's an Eagles fan, but that came out of left field because I was just listening to them. And uh, also our, our guy Tom Paquette really likes the BudoS fan as well. So... Shouts out to them, appreciate the love, and then shouts out to Julian Edelman, who alerted us that sometimes he consumes our content.
1: Oh, in thank some you, form Jules. Of fa-
0: yeah, in some form or fashion. So, um, shouts out to him.
1: Do so, you, th- Do you, I'm sorry, do you cut your your facial hair on this table?
0: Nah, is there hair on the table?
1: There are lots of hairs on this table.
0: Well, that's on your side of the table.
1: I haven't, I don't, I haven't. Does Cowboy
0: Reed cut his hair here? Cowboy Reed, Shall do you? We- Cowboy Reed doesn't cut Yeah, Cowboy Reed looks like a Yeti. Hey, Cowboy Reed, when I go home at night and you're here editing until the wee hours of the morning, I don't need you fucking g- busting out the, the brawn.
1: Somebody is cutting their hair on this glass table.
0: I hope maybe, it's not their pubes.
1: Maybe it's from your socks and the carpet. No, I do so. socks Ugh. on the
0: table. Oh, wow. Cowboy Reed with the smoking gun. No, making- that's you. I just
1: did this for the first time ever. You're the one who wears his socks and puts them
0: on. Oh, I'm not. I wear my uh, Common Projects almost every week or my Chuck Taylors.
1: There's, there's no runoff
0: from these socks. Or my Dale Earnhardt, uh, the Intimidator uh, slides that I bought to reinforce the tremendous move by NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag. What, what That felt like a year ago. Yeah, sure does. And I haven't bought any other NASCAR merch, but I did reinforce positively that way. Speaking of NASCAR country, can we talk about the Dallas Cowboys? Please. I was going to do a long look on um, an individual player this week. I mean, it would have been fun to break down Miles Garrett. He was dominant. Um, it would have been fun to to break down Zadarius Smith. He was unbelievable. Three sacks all up and down the line. We already shouted him out. But the big... The big D. The the big D was the big news this week. Uh, And it was the Dallas defense that has just been rightfully so taken for a ride in sports media.
1: 146 points against most in the league.
0: Yeah. They found themselves down 41-14 to the Cleveland Browns in uh, in Jerry's world this weekend. You've seen it by now. Um, This is a defense that, to me, seems like it's going to compete with the 2013 uh, Dallas squad that they fielded on that side of the ball for worst defense ever in that franchise. Wow. I mean, they, could, they could be up there. And what's confusing is they have some nice players. They have a couple nice players. Van Der Esch's absence certainly hurts. Um, and you lose Byron Jones, that hurts. The secondary doesn't look very good. Sean Lee. Sean Lee. But I think When I looked at their tape, it really boiled down to three things. The personnel, indecision, and then effort. Everybody hit the effort thing. I think that's important, and I'll get to that, but I think the first two are the keys to why this run defense specifically is really struggling. And there's some overlap as to why the Cleveland Browns were able to matriculate the ball with such ease, uh, efficiently through the air as well, but it starts with the run game, and I don't like Dallas's personnel for what they do, okay? And I'm looking I'm looking up front, because that's where people talk about the run game, although there's three levels to a defense. Everybody knows that. But the guys up front are the tone setters, and I watch them, and I'm confused. Are you a vertical team, or are you a read team? Like, are you a, hey guys, the nose of the football, Uh, slides backwards a quarter inch. Like we used to watch the back tip is what we called it in St. Louis and we got off the fucking ball and we got three yards deep and we were physical. We weren't reading anything. You backdoor stuff. If you're reached, the only thing that reaches you is the ball is, is, is a saying if you're in an attack defense. But they look like they're not sure if they're a mirror team or a vertical team. And if you're a mirror team, boy, they have a lot of false steps. And what I mean by a mirror team is you're more of like Okay, I played for the Rams and attacking defense. I played for the Patriots more of a, a read defense, a two-gapping defense. You're going to react more laterally with blocks as they move. You mirror them and move with them. The false steps of some of these interior linemen were so bad, I was wondering if there were pressures. You know, a guard's reaching uh, the three-tech, and the guy stepping inside as if there's going to be a backer, you know, crashing the C-gap. And I'm like, well, where's the mental error here? Is it the te- No, it's just a bad step. The fundamentals are bad. I'm seeing three techs getting reached. I'm seeing D Law and Alden Smith standing up. Demarcus Lawrence, uh, I, I used the rolling ball of butcher knives compliment, which is one of the highest in football, and Zadarius Smith earlier. He was that fucking guy two years ago or three years ago. I don't know how long it was now. And this was a big year for him because the numbers have been down a little bit. Why are we doing this? Why, why do we have him standing up? Why do we have Alden Smith standing up? I know it's Mike Nolan's defense, but Alden Smith is not like the 235 Alden Smith. Alden Smith is like 280 pounds. And it, you know, he's still playing good football, but I just don't think this is this is what you want to do with, with these two potentially dominant players. Um, you've got Everson Griffin in a crease. A crease is you know, between the down tight end and the off tight end, which is one of the toughest things to do for a defensive end. And this is not a, I'm not trying to slight him here, but he's not a traffic guy. He's not a left end, okay? We saw that in the San Francisco game uh, last postseason where he was a problem lined up, head up on George Kittle. All those ends were there. I think that's one of the biggest problems in Minnesota was the physicality, and they got smaller. But, like, That's just not his game at this stage in his career. You got Tyrone Crawford who I really like playing nose, getting reached. You got four eyes who, you know, four eyes basically being head up on the tackle who don't know how to play a four eye. It's one of the most challenging alignments to play in in the defensive line universe. You got a nose tackle who doesn't see a wham coming from a mile away. Wham! Wham, I mean like everybody's yelling wham. When a fucking fullback or a move tight end settles in the B gap and is looking straight down at the nose tackle, like, dude, it's obvious. And so what I see is this tweener group that's not quite an attacking group and not not quite a re, a read group, and and you can tell they're struggling with the change. And when you go from like Marinelli to this, like, they would get after people. And this is kind of the opposite. This is like, hey, we're gonna think more and they're even indecisive before the snap, and that's, that's a big problem. Partially because of Cleveland's commitment to shift in motion, and their pace, too. They gotta be up there as far as shifts in motion are concerned in the NFL. Uh, I think guys are thinking too much, and that means guys aren't playing particularly hard, or well, and they're late lining up, they're late getting set. Sometimes I saw Dallas like swapping their ends in a five-man front, and getting caught doing it late because there's some strength change, there's a shift or a motion, and the two ends are running behind like the tackles and through the traffic where the backers are standing to switch sides. And the ball snap like now, so they're not even in their stances. I mean, like, there's a play, it's third and 10, middle of the second in the red zone, it's 21-14, still a game at this point, uh, shotgun, uh, third down, again, Cleveland motions back into the formation with their, with their back, who was set out wide. Uh, and if you're a third down rusher, you can't let stuff like that slow you down. You have to key the football, or key whatever you're keying to get off the rock and get a rush. And a lot of times that motion, which is a nice wrinkle by Stefanski here and the offensive minds there, is gonna settle. You know, like hop, step, and settle in a back offset kind of alignment, they snap the ball while he's like just getting there, which that gives the D lineman a false sense of security to think, oh he's gonna settle and then the ball is gonna be snapped. These guys are looking around, they're not ready to get off the ball, and this is a big play, it's an easy throw, there's no pressure, guys aren't ready to rush, it's a Landry first down, and you get a touchdown soon after, so 28-14, could've been 24, that's like, that's the stuff that gets you beat. Um, I saw one play where they motioned to a big wing. I talked about big wing again. Big wing is tight end down, tight end right off his hip behind him. Um, And if you're a six technique, you're lined up head up on the tight end. You never want to be head up on a tight end when a big wing settles on your side. It's a bad alignment for a defensive end. You're supposed to bump into the crease, at least in any defense I've ever played in. It's like a no-no to be, I don't know if that's their rule or if somebody's not giving him the call, but nobody bumped Demarcus Lawrence or Alden Smith into that crease. I can't remember who it was. And that's a problem. It's like little communication things. You're thinking so much that you're not reacting to what you see in front of you and nobody's communicating. Um, And on that play, they lose the edge big time. Um, I saw them running big loops on third down out of like flat-footed stances on third and eight. The ball's out. You got one end looping all the way around to the opposite B-gap. It's just too cumbersome. And finally, the effort, which everybody was, was fixated on in Cowboys Nation. And Jalen Smith was kind of the guy, right, that everybody highlighted. And he wasn't great from an effort standpoint on a few points a few plays, don't name search him. I would hate to be a Dallas Cowboy because when you have a bad game, it gets ugly. There's highs and lows when it comes to being a Cowboy. He was pretty laid off blocks all day and he missed tackles. They have him down for two missed tackles. There were plenty of plays where he couldn't shed quick enough and he didn't even get to miss the tackle. And he's fringe top 10 this year in this category. But the thing that bothered people was his effort. And make no mistake, he wasn't the worst. I've liked Jalen Smith a lot. I've liked him because I've always thought of him as a a fly-around guy. He's always like just torpedoing somebody by the sideline or running sideline to sideline. You know, he's got range. He's he's a hitter. He can be a tone setter. So when you're one of these heartbeat guys, and I know he hadn't played well this year, and especially with Van Der Esch out, it's, it's tough, You gotta bring the energy, you have to bust your ass. You have to be that guy on film that guys are looking to. And I talked about the Derek Barnett play on the Ayuk touchdown on Sunday night. The most impressive thing about Derek's game, and he played well, and he's not even like a leader on that defense, is he's leading by example and running to the fucking end zone trying to knock Ayuk down from the, you know, not from the opposite side of the field, but from five yards in the backfield playing a rocket screen. Like, you need guys to bust their ass and set the right example, especially when you're that guy. When you're 54, you got to be that guy. And again, I'm not saying he loafed all game, but heavy is the head that wears the crown. And so no play was was played more on loop this week than that reverse to Beckham. 3.37 left in the fourth. And Alden Smith got some heat because fans are always like, I, I, I tweet... I was tweeting with an Eagles fan Sunday night, and he was like, Barnett's always losing contain on a reverse. That's not his job, okay? Reverses aren't always defensive ends jobs, especially four down guys. But let's say Alden Smith was the force guy on that reverse. He actually didn't do a bad job. He made Odell bubble to 14 yards. 14 yards deep. So if the reverse is 14 yards deep, I need the guys behind me to knock it down instead of saying, why doesn't Alden Smith, who's 285 pounds, catch Odell Beckham in the backfield? He played it right, Uh, it bubbled to 14, and then what happened is you see 54 loafing, changing speeds. When I first caught that Beckham play on red zone, because I wasn't watching that game on Sunday Live, I was like, damn, look at this guy. He's 54, finished on Beckham in the corner of the end zone, or at the pylon. And I'm thinking, damn, he's he's fast and giving great effort. Then you see the wide shot, and that's where you see the change of speed, the loafing. I played for a guy named Greg Williams that some people might might not like. Three Gs in Greg. Yeah, yep. Yep, three, two at the end. Confirmed. Can be conf- confusing. Yeah. I'm almost convinced he added that at some point to differentiate himself. He's just an eccentric dude. I love him. I, lo- I love Greg Williams. So I'm not going to apologize for liking Greg Williams here on this show. Was, here's, here's the deal. Greg, Greg Williams had a saying, loafers are traitors. <laughs> You're a fucking traitor. And it happens. It definitely happens. Somebody got popped on that team this week on the Dallas team for saying like, well, we didn't go hard the entire time, like no NFL play, you just don't say that out loud. There's gonna be plays where you're gassed and you change speeds or you know something happens, but like with the game on the line, you're down late, in the situation you're in, you're the leader, you need to run like everybody's watching you, and you need to run to go make a play. And so, like I said, it happens, and you get one, but you better fix it. The worst part, though, is that this was his chance to fix it. Earlier they ran a reverse to Beckham in the game. Okay, that went for a lot less than the touchdown, but there was a ton of speed changing. And it's not just Smith. You know, in the third quarter, Smith was one of the main uh, perpetrators on the first reverse as well. In the third quarter, there was bad effort on this pass to Landry that went for 11 yards. 27 missed the tackle. Everybody's jogging. People don't speed up, you know. There's a difference between running to make a play and just running to show up on film. And I feel like the Cowboys, in a lot of situations Sunday, were running to be in the picture. And when they got there, they were like, "Oh shit, we got to make a play too." Uh, and that showed up on the on the on the reverse. Tristan Hill, digs bad angle, satisfied with just being in the picture. Guys are running to run, man. Go make a play. What that says to me is like, get me the fuck out of here. I just want to show up and not get yelled at on Monday morning.
1: Well, you're talking about angles. What about the secondary?
0: Secondary was involved in the bad run fits as well. And they were major culprits on a lot of these explosive plays. But in the run fits as well, I mean, like, there's a cream hunt touchdown. Uh, there were two cream hunt touchdowns where DBs were culprits. 14 yard touchdown with, with 11 minutes to go in the third was just embarrassing. You had Donovan Wilson right there on the edge, unblocked, shoot your gun. He's waiting at the edge of the defense, which is constricted, and there's one place that Kareem Hunt can run. And it's right over him, or right through him, or it's gonna get knocked down. And just, just shoot the gun, man. Just, just, just make the play. Take a shot, just take a shot. Um, don't just stand there and chop your feet. Go make a play. Hunt just walks in on another touchdown, uh, the wham that I talked about earlier, Xavier Woods misses the tackle, and Donovan Wilson again takes forever to identify what's going on. He's so scared of the play action, which we'll get to in a minute, that he doesn't really touch Hunt until the one and misses the tackle, and it's like a 12 yard run or something like that. He's the safety, you're in the red zone, you're not like deep, come down and help out on the play, but your your eyes are in the backfield making sure that it's not play action. So, credit to the Browns. They never let you relax. It's a nightmare prep situation for a D-line. They're never in rhythm, you're never in rhythm. Like, as a rusher, it, it would suck to play the Browns. Like, I, I would be like, damn, I'd circle that one and be like, that's not a good week to get sacks and we're gonna have to buckle up. Like, to start the game, punch you in the mouth with a run that went for, I think, it was an explosive play right off the bat. They pass, they roll out, reverse pass, off the toss, uh, and the safety gets nosy, and you got a touchdown. That was the Landry throw. That's how they start the game, and from those first five plays, you're like, holy shit, my head's spinning. Everything's going sideways a million miles an hour. Everything, and as the defensive lineman, the best schemes to play are like gap schemes right down at you. If you're physical, they are, but the zone stuff is just, and, and all the, the the motion and shifts, Cleveland's gonna keep rushers off balance all year with play action pass. I don't think I saw them get to a conventional drop back until the end of the first quarter. And their O-line does a great job marrying looks, everything looks the same, and that's no surprise with Bill Callahan. If you go a quarter without pinning your ears back in the NFL as a rusher, it's frustrating and it stays in your head the entire game. And you start taking chances, and you saw guys taking chances, guys late on the backside trying to play the boot when they should be closing to make a play. And this makes sense um, because I don't think Baker sees the ball really well from the pocket. Uh, and that's what makes Sunday worse because Baker was seven for 10, albeit for a meager 53 yards, but two touchdowns are 122 rating, zero sacks, just dropping back. On the year, this is really bad, okay? On the year, including Sunday, you heard what I just said, including Sunday. He's 16 for 29 for 125 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, an 86 rating, and just dropping back and throwing the ball, not being outside the pocket or or play-action pass. So that means it took a 7 for 10 efficient performance for 53 yards, two touchdowns to make that second figure of 125 yards, 31 yards a game, even with Sunday, look better, and that—that's the Cowboys are giving it up on the ground, they're not rushing the passer well. I mentioned a week ago in a long look that Alden Smith in the Seahawks game, I, was, I came for the pass rush but I saw something. They ran halfback sweep at him a couple times with the back offset opposite. I guarantee you, and he got heavy. He got kind of like didn't come off the ball, didn't get vertical, and they gave the edge up. I guarantee you Kevin Stevansky saw that, definitely. Why do you think they ran the reverse at him like twice? you know um and it paid off on the first one the second one he played it right but that's that's what the browns are doing they 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 have a real coach now did you
1: ever think you should have been a cowboy
0: no i wouldn't have been a good cowboy
1: did you ever think you should have learned to rope and ride
0: <laughs> uh where am i six shooter
1: riding your pony on a cattle drive
0: never thought of it okay cool uh <laughs> This is a tough matchup for Dallas, okay? Zone scheme stuff, side to side is going to hurt them all year. I just want to know who this defense is. What is the identity of this defense? That's all I want to know.
1: Staying in the NFC East, my don't panic guy from last week, Dwayne Haskins, has been benched in favor of Kyle Allen.
0: Do me a favor and don't ever name me as your don't panic guy in any capacity because that was the kiss of death uh, for your guy had a good ball game, got benched. So, there was a really good Tory Smith's tweet and I just I think he nailed it and I'm kind of right with him here. Dwayne is the victim of a perfect storm. I really do think that. And um I also don't think this is the last we'll see of him. And there's there's good news for the kid that I can offer in a bit, but he called it. Uh I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but here was Tory's tweet new regime that didn't draft you, new offense with no offseason. You can compete right now in a bad NFC East. Uh, The quarterback, QB2, behind you is ahead of where you are with understanding and executing the offense. This is coming from a guy that played for Ron Rivera briefly, um, understands quarterback position, uh, playing wide receiver for a decade in the league, and watches ball. And you, you heard a lot of different stuff this week. This is a complicated case here. And... If you look at it, the last 10 years, I didn't go back any further, first-rounders that were benched in the first two years of their careers. I believe he's the most unlucky, along with Josh Rosen, of that elite fraternity. And to be fair, I'm not grouping those two together. That would be unfair to Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne has played better than Josh Rosen. You've got RG3 that got benched to avoid an injury late in the year, one year. I don't remember which year it was. E.J. Manuel was 2014. After four starts in year two for Kyle Orton, he was benched. Uh, Johnny Manziel was benched uh, not soon enough uh, in his second season and demoted to third string after the partying video uh, emerged. Ancient history now. Josh Rosen was shipped away from Arizona after his rookie year. Uh, and everybody knows that story because it's fresh in our minds and just wild and also emblematic of the way the NFL is now for quarterbacks.
1: For a second and a fifth, by the way. Yeah,
0: for a second and a fifth, uh... <sighs> I
1: know. I know. Uh, Arizona took Andy Isabella, wide receiver, UMass, with that second round pick. How's that going? He caught a, he's caught a touchdown this year.
0: So, Rosen then gets to Miami, starts week three because of Fitzy injury, and he's benched in the second half of the third game and didn't play again. So, Again, I I think of all the guys, Dwayne might be the most unlucky, followed by Josh Rosen. Because something about Josh Rosen, people are seeing that they're like, eh, this isn't the right situation. Maybe he's not good enough to elevate a bad team. And maybe Dwayne Haskins isn't either, but I think Dwayne showed us more objectively, by far, than Josh Rosen. Um, Even so much so that he became your don't panic guy. The heat got turned on after that three-pick game against the Browns, where he looked, uh, looked off receivers and went for a hat trick throwing picks. And let's face it, he hasn't been great to this point, okay? I could objectively say that. I could say that about everybody in that class, pretty much, right? With
1: one exception.
0: With yeah. one large exception. That's what the pretty much qualification is. I mean, and everybody looks stupid. Everybody has egg on their face there.
1: Oh, my gosh. I still have texts from Washington fans laughing at me for taking pick 6 Daniel Jones at number 6 and and Haskins falls to them at 15 and they're throwing a party. Yep. I'm not saying I'm throwing a party. Right. At MetLife. Yep. But now your guy is uh is is 3 behind Kyle Allen and Alex Smith according to a depth chart I'm looking at.
0: Yeah, so so the whole class has been kind of shaky. Uh and after the Cleveland game he was called in by Ron Rivera to have the talk, okay? So the talk is like kind of the warning. And it's early in the year for a warning, especially when you just got there and that sort of thing. If you're Dwayne Haskins, maybe you're thinking, I got a cap a captain on my chest. You know, I won the job fair and square in, in camp. I'm a first-round pick. Doesn't that mean anything anymore in the NFL? Nah, it doesn't at that position. And a nice coach will give you a warning. Uh, some won't even give you that advance notice. Dwayne was really pretty solid Sunday. I, I went back and watched the uh, the Ravens game pretty closely, and I'm no QB guru. Um, there were good moments, there were bad moments, there were a lot of average moments uh, sprinkled in between. Ton of quick throws, hit most of his layups, which is something we can't say for every quarterback right now in the NFL. And that's not a subliminal diss of Carson. Um, I know some people are gonna be, yeah, Chris said, he, Dwayne Haskins is hitting his layups. Oh, what's he mean? He hates Carson now? You know, like make up your fucking mind. Do I hate Carson? Do I love Carson? I'm just doing my job. But there are guys missing layups in the NFL. Like, there is Russ coming out of training camp and I'm watching Sunday and I'm sure Dwayne's missed his share of layups this year. He was pretty decent. I mean, in the first half he had a couple throws that were damn near picked on tips that were kind of errant which were bad, and then he missed Barber badly in the flat in the second half, but like, he threw a really nice ball at the, at the end of the game that we'll get to in a minute that I was like, damn. I mean, but the intermediate stuff in garbage time was pretty decent too. The prettiest throw though was that strike that I just mentioned with touch to, to McLaren. McLaurin. McLaurin. Scurry-turry, yeah. For 30, I'll get that one eventually. It's confusing because there's a car and it's fast here's what's fucked up there's a fast car called a mclaren
1: what's less confusing is that they're spelled differently and there's a u in the middle of scary terry's last name
0: i just think of him like the sports car because he's fast yeah yeah yeah. it's a mind fuck
1: does his stock go down with kyle allen probably
0: a bit i don't know i can't say that for sure
1: i speak in fantasy football terms so
0: i think everybody's stock might go down uh, in, in, in uh, our capital city there. Ish, ish. Ish. Now, listen, that was a throw at the end of the game to McLaurin for 39 yards that looked almost identical to the dime that Carson dropped Sunday night that people lost their shit about. Like, that Fulgham. was the throw. Like, to Ful- Ful- Fulgham. Ful- Fulgum Fulgum. One of these days we're going to have Fulgham on this fucking show. I can't wait. Can't wait. Bar Scott. So, that was a beautiful throw, and at this point I'm thinking, hold on a second. Like, I know this kid has really sucked at times, but this was was not his worst game. And it was eerily similar to the Carson throw. Now the difference is, and uh, some people that hate Carson are gonna say, well, it doesn't matter. Like, Carson's shown you an entire year where he was basically an MVP. Um, That's why Carson has the leash he has, and that's why he's getting paid the money he's getting paid. This kid's a rookie on his rookie deal and that doesn't mean as much anymore. And while some some people would insist, and I totally, I get it, there is a very long history of black quarterbacks in the NFL being discarded and not being given a chance. I mean, it's, it's absolutely valid. And I can't speak to it as a player, I never had to go through that. But if I'm being objective here, and you knew the butt was coming, I'm not ready to call Ron Rivera a racist here, okay? There's more at play than just that knee-jerk reaction, which I'm sure, God forbid, Scott Turner was the head coach, he would be getting crushed right now. And it could be all the same motivations. I'm just not ready to do that. So, it's not like I forgot that theme, if you're listening. That's just where I stand on it, okay? Especially when it's part of the business. The most important thing that Tory outlined was the first point, this is not Ron's guy. I mean, this is not Ron Rivera's guy. This is not Scott Turner's guy. Hell, he wasn't Jay Gruden's guy, okay? Jay Gruden didn't want him. It is entirely impossible that this kid has been caught in what Tory dubbed the perfect storm uh, for a, a bunch of reasons. He's, surpre- he's surrounded with little talent, okay? Um, in a long line of early picks, you're not really gonna garner much sympathy there, uh, but it's real. The offseason was non-existent. The system was new, and the number two is a young kid from Carolina that they see as a developmental piece as well. So like, you're the fact that you were a first round pick, they didn't pick you, it doesn't matter to them as much as if you were their guy. You know, I lost my job momentarily, I don't even remember how long it lasted or did I officially not start games my second year, but I remember this conversation. It all worked out fine, but like, my second year, I had an okay rookie year as as a as a high pick on a bad team. You know, I didn't light it up in the sack column, but I showed promise and I had a lot to learn. They fired my coach, Scott Lenahan, the guy who brought me in four games into my career. Four fucking games. And Jim Hazlitt was the interim head coach. And Jim Hazlitt pulled me aside and said, Hey, don't you worry about any of this stuff. You're gonna be a really good player. I'm excited. You know, and I was like, Fuck yeah. I'm excited too now cuz I got a guy in my corner. I thought maybe I was fucked, but maybe I'm not. What I didn't understand is like Jim Hazlitt didn't really have a shot to keep the job. They were going to bring somebody else in obviously. And in the offseason you you bring in this guy from the Giants that I'd known of, your New York Giants, Steve, Sp- Steve Spagnola, who I'm really tight with. But in the beginning it wasn't really like that. Steve didn't Steve didn't like me much. I you know like and that's just he just he didn't prefer me. I wasn't his guy and to be honest, as a second pick in the draft, to start slow in the sack column, even if your team is totally dog shit. No he, offense. Yeah, I mean, like, he, he's, he's, he's coming in, he's, he's used to OC and, and Tuck and Strayhand and all those finished products. Like, I don't have time to, to stick with a kid that I didn't draft, so in the middle of camp, he pulled me aside, He's was like, hey, I'm gonna have to, I just wanted you to know, I got no, no, nothing against you as a, as a guy but this is about Chris Long, the football player right now, and Victor Adianju is gonna start over you. Or like, I'm gonna have to put Victor Adianju in. In camp. Yeah, in camp. And I said, okay, and that shit hurt, but I also understood that like I hadn't been, well, I didn't understand at the time. I was like, Jesus Christ, my rookie year just finished. We're not even out of camp yet. Defense has changed. Coach, we don't have leads. But okay, I'll roll with the punches. And that fucked my head up a little bit. It took me a long time that year to get on the board. And of course, like from then it rolled, but like there was a period there where I had to learn my lesson of I'm not Spag's guy. You know, and the new guy doesn't care that I was drafted high. The new guy's not, maybe if Spags drafted me, he doesn't have that talk with me. It all worked out. There were injuries. I was back in the starting lineup and you know, the end of the year I went on a little mini tear and then then rolled. But that's the point is I learned that lesson as a position player and that's before the rookie wage scale changed. That's before like quarterbacking and like your expectation of what you get out of a first rounder changed. And things are just different now. Like You see how quick people are moving on from guys. And we put these screen splits up of Daniel Jones and, and Dwayne Haskins and it looks fucked up because they're the same guys statistically this year. If anything, Haskins has been better. The stats will tell you. Dwayne Haskins might not be there next year. Sam Darnold might not be in New York next year. If I had to pick one guy out of those 3, I'm picking Sam Darnold first though.
1: To quarterback your club?
0: Yeah, starting with with like with a roster that's not completely cratered. Yeah. How about you?
1: Oh, man. That's just an awful decision to have to make. I'll say I'll say I'll say Sam Darnold.
0: Ugh. Yeah, Sam, for me too. I mean, like, listen. I've just, some people are gonna hate me for this, but I think Sam Darnold. Like, I I also see potential in all three in different ways. Maybe I'm too patient with people, but listen, the division is bad enough to win. That's part of it. Okay, that's part of what Ron Rivera claims it is. But the Washington football team is also bad enough to secure the first pick, and if I'm honest, uh, and you're Ron Rivera, would you rather win eight games and infamously win the division, or would you rather watch your team struggle a little bit in earnest and land like a Trevor Lawrence if you love him? What would you rather do? You think anybody's gonna remember that eight win season where you eked out a division championship?
1: I mean, it's easy to say go with the generational talent. I think the playoffs are are the playoffs. That's significant. I just don't think this is a. They're not a team. Yeah, they're not. This is the worst case. This is four and twelve, and you're picking fifth.
0: Here's what it would entail for them to get to eight wins, and eight would be like apocalyptic. I one year we were seven and eight going up to Seattle to play a seven and eight Seattle team to win the NFC West. I remember that game. That was the beastquake. Precursor, if we'd have beat Charlie Whitehurst on a Sunday night, I don't know how we didn't. It's just Seattle, man. Um, we would have been the team that had gotten slaughtered by New Orleans on the road. But we almost, we did the NFL a favor by giving that evergreen content to them of, I mean, one of the most famous plays in, in NFL history. But the point is, like, for them to win eight games, they gotta reel off seven of their, their next 12. Uh, math again. So, if I'm Ron Rivera, yeah, you know, Kyle Allen's our guy, I guess. I don't know if I make this move, but if he sucks, he sucks, and maybe we're picking high. If he's good, I look like a genius. Um, and the Washington football team very well may be low-key tanking. It's just, Ron Rivera has the most non-tanking looking face in the NFL. Like, that guy would never tank.
1: Right. He also has set expectations earlier this year saying, Hey, we're not, it's not this year. Right.
0: And, and and I mentioned that warning. It's likely that this game was inevitable. Um, even though he won the job, became captain, he was never Rivera's guy. Wasn't Scott Turner's guy and Rivera's a good dude. And that's what I universally hear. Some people say, well, if he's a good dude, why not give him a heads up a month earlier? Well, because at this point, um, the last game people around the league are going to see from Dwayne Haskins is 300-yard performance where he flashed really good throws and went for 70%. And that's a good look if you're trying to move him, right? We talked about that. You, you like the idea of trading him, maybe.
1: Yeah, why not? Uh, if, if Rosen gets you a second and a fifth, I mean, what does Haskins get you? Uh,
0: well, I think that might be a cautionary tale that might impact Dwayne Haskins' trade value, I, I don't know. I guess maybe a, a three. I would give up a three for Dwayne Haskins. Yeah,
1: I might go 4 There They're just going to be, there are a handful of teams, and by handful, I mean uh, big hands
0: full of squads looking for that next guy. Next guy. That's what he is. He's a next guy. He's not, and it, it would be the same thing. Listen, it's entirely plausible in some fucked up story that Kyle Allen is terrible, and we see Dwayne Haskins again. And this was just one of those things where, I mean, there are sources that say, if you read the WAPO, Washington Post. There's, um, a, there's a paywall for me. Yeah. I don't know how I got around that. I think it's a dollar a month. I think I paid the dollar. Support the press, especially in a time like now. So I uh, I was reading articles about it and people were you know, questioning his prep since he won the job and, and that sort of thing. And nobody wants to hear that because you are rooting for Dwayne Haskins. But it, listen, you have to understand that things go on inside of a building that you have no idea about. There could have been a blow up. He could have terrible work habits. He could be really bad in practice. I don't believe truly that that painful sequence where he took a sack in the red zone and threw the ball uh, to the nine on fourth and goal from the 15 was enough. By the way, the sack was like a 20 yard sack in the red zone, bad. I mean, I heard the sources about study habits, maybe he did something to rub him wrong. Even if all all these things are true, which they might be, he's kind of been, he's been on my radar a little bit, and this is really dumb, since he did the autograph thing last year. It's like a, it's a small thing, but everybody's like, he's a rookie, you know, like whatever, whatever. Remember, he ran off the field early and was signing autographs, and then Case Keenum had to go take the knee. Right. Like, you know, maybe he's just young and needs to mature, and it rubbed Ron Rivera the wrong way. But what I think is really likely is uh, that they had to justify the move that they were going to make all along. Give him a shot. Be fair to the kid. He hasn't been good enough to to sway us, uh, and we got the game we were looking for. He went out and played really well and now we can move him and I would love to see him end up somewhere where he has a chance a better chance than he's had in Washington because he's been probably the most unlucky rookie quarterback in the last 10 years
1: I'm going to start to call him Dwayne Haskins kind of like Jim Halpert calls Dwight Schrute
0: Dwight Dwight and uh Dwayne the Rock Johnson yeah Dwayne Week four of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week five. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week five, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the app store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GREENLIGHT when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code GREENLIGHT to get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match. Each up to $500 deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Let's get a pick-me-up here. JB Smoove, as promised. Leon, Curb, also... Motivational speaker to the New York Jets.
2: The Jets are in a pickle again.
0: Yeah, you know
1: that's
2: right. A pickle again. You know. See, he, he, here's my attitude to being a New Yorker. Being, you know, being a Jet fan. I'm also a country boy from North Carolina, yep. from the South. Yep. For the same time, you know, you know, I, I, I I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for these Jets for a long time, man. I just, I just want my. I just want them to. You know, there's this thing that. You had to embody, you know, when you're an athlete. You know, me being a former wide receiver, you know, uh-huh, myself,
0: uh-huh. still, you still, still got it? Do it. You still got it. Still
2: long and lean, still got it. You know, can go off with of the bomb once in a while. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? Not the most, you know,
0: more of a possession possession. Receiver. That was what I was about to say, and a compliment, not like not, a slow receiver, but a guy who goes up and gets it.
2: Go up and get. Oh, go up and get it. Mm-hmm. You know, Herman Moore. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people. You know, if, if I really, if I really think about this overall, you know, had I had I made the NFL as an accomplished receiver who I thought I could be, you know, I would have been in the same class as maybe like a Jerry Rice. You know, uh-huh. I would have came out. I would have came out. You know, in the same same year, we yeah. both went to HBCU uh, colleges. I went to Norfolk State University. Right down the
0: road, man. Right down the road Come from right us. Down, don't get me started. Don't get me started yeah. now. Yeah. You
2: know. Yeah. You know. Uh, I, I truly believe that if all had, if I hadn't been such a jokester in the <laughs> weight room, a jokester, you know, on the team, yeah. I might, I might, I might have done a little something, something, you know, I might have done a little something, something in the NFL, brother. I'm telling I, you, I, I could believe better. it. I got the, I, got, I had the hands, yeah, I had the lift, you yeah. know, uh, a great route runner. Still, you know, in, even today, you know how they allow these guys to. Uh, to to in basketball games to shoot the half court shot, you know, for yeah. fifty thousand dollars or twenty five thousand dollars or whatever. What they, they, the NFL should do that. Let a let a let a uh, a civilian in there. Yeah. Let let him run a play. Uh huh. Put J B. Put JB In there. You know. You know a wide out. Let me go ahead and run a little route across the middle or whatever. or down a down and out. With or
0: without you know, J- with or without Jamal Adams uh, lighting you the fuck up.
2: No, it don't matter. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck, fuck Jamal. Okay? All of them co- across the middle. When you go across the middle, yeah. you just got to let them know you're coming. Yeah. It's when you don't know. It's, it's when, You only get hurt when you don't think you're going to get hit. Yep. So as long as you have in your mindset that somebody's going to blast your ass, you prepared to, to, to alter your route. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. You make them think you're going one way. All you got to do is talk to them while you're running your route. I'm about to take you, baby, on this curl. He's going to be – his his legs, he's going to squish his body down, ready for the curl route, <laughs> and you down and out his ass. And that's it. It's a wrap.
0: so let, it. So, let, it. so let me ask you this then. And this this takes care of it because one of my first questions I always ask people on the Celebrity Panic Hotline, which sometimes we have celebrities come on and their teams are doing just fine, and it doesn't make sense. But you coming on, it's perfect. What I, he's a fucking Jets fan. We got to get him on. What position would you play? Would it would it be wide receiver right now? Or is there another position? If you weren't a wide receiver, who would you want to be? If you could be reincarnated as an oh, NFL I mean, star,
2: I'm always gonna say wide receiver, slot receiver, wide out. It don't matter to me. But if I gain like a good 100 pounds, yeah, I'll make a, a damn good tight end too. Yeah. Hey, I'm tell you something, man. And and I love you know what? On defense, I'm not really a cornerback style dude. I would love to play a good linebacker, a nice mm-hmm. linebacker. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. lay somebody' ass out. You know, make yeah. a name for myself. Yeah. You know, I love, I love, I, lo- I would. You know, and I'm pretty good with coverage. I'm pretty good at uh, recognizing coverage. You know, I'm a talker too on the line. You oh, know, good. I break it down. I break it down like this. I get down. I get down. I'm not sure how I do it. This is how I do it, brother. I get down like this. You no, know, I get down. I get down like this. I'm like, ah, ah. <laughs> I, I break it down in your ass. I get like this. And I say, ah. I just talk shit the whole time. See, I get in your head. I get in your head yeah. and I dance around. I dance around in your damn head. I dance around in your head and your brain. You can't concentrate. You can't even think what's going to happen to you. You know? And that's how you get in someone's head. You, you, once you get in their head and start dancing around, their route is messed up. They can't hit a play right. They forgot what the play was.
0: Yeah. You got to dance around in their head. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All the good ones yeah. do. All the good ones do. Ray's dance, Ray Lewis's dance did not stop when he came out of the tunnel. It continued inside oh, people's oh. heads. You're damn right. You got to dance around in their brain. And you
2: and, and know what? Being, a, being a, going back to the Jets. Mm. Okay. I hate to do it. I hosted going back to the Jets. Uh, you know, I can go back. I can go back as far as you want to go with these damn Jets. You know, I call them the damn Jets because I'm going to say, if they start winning, I'm going to say, how about them damn Jets? Uh But when they're losing, I'm going to say, them damn Jets. Either way, I'm going to say, damn, either way, it don't matter. But here's what you got to do. And I I, I say this not as just a fan, but I say this as a true New Yorker. Mm. I say this as as someone who's played football, not on this level, but – Who understands the game. And you know, we you need these people in place. You need these players in place. You have to always, it doesn't matter if you are, you have to have a total team. Mm -hmm. You need we need people in place who are role players. You have to have these role players. You definitely need a shit talker on your team. You Mm -hmm. need a shit talker, Mm -hmm. but you need someone who's gonna go out there and lay somebody. Now Adams was that guy. Adams was one of those guys who can go out there and put up or shut up. You know yeah, what I mean? He's yeah. the guy who's gonna hit that field. He's gonna motivate everybody, keep you pumped up. No matter what's going on in the game, he's gonna get you going. When I, when I um hosted the Jets uh, debut of their new uniforms.
0: Which we gotta get to. We gotta talk about
2: that. I, I'm gonna tell you, when I when I hosted that event, I told these guys, man, to look, this is your uniform. Mm -hmm. No one in the history of the Jets has worn this particular uniform. This is a perfect time to hit that reset button and make this your moment. This is your moment to take this uniform and make something of it. You know, the Jets have really hired me to be in that locker room. Yeah. You know, oh, or, or just let me suit up, but just don't put my ass in the game. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know just, just the leadership role. Like, that was oh what they God, were trying oh. to do. This is what they were trying to make me do at the end of my career. Hey, come back, we'll pay you. You're not going right. to maybe play as much as you want to play, but you could be right. a good presence. You need, you, that's what I'm trying to say.
2: We need. Voices, you need voices in that locker room. You need guys who are gonna take the brunt of, of what's happening on that field. Yeah, sometimes you gotta damn near blame yourself, even when it's not your fault. Yeah, because you because it really is a team effort, and someone has got to take that on, on their shoulders. Yeah. And I told these guys, I said, Man, look, you have got to you know, one thing about New Yorkers is this: even when we are losing, if you go out there and bunch your ass. Man, we just say, you know what? They bust their ass out there, though, yeah. and they and they worked hard, and they we didn't get the L. I mean, we didn't get the win, but that L came at the detriment of that freaking team who was going against. When the Knicks were playing,
0: I'm a Knicks fan. Remember remember long, hey, long suffering Knicks fan here. Okay, me, me too. Yeah, remember the
2: remember remember the Knicks had the best defense you you could imagine. You would come in there you might you might get 85 points you mm-hmm. you might look around and get 85 points yeah maybe yeah but that defense was so stingy yeah we, we had the squad back then yeah you know we didn't score a lot of points but we were't gonna let you leave out of there over a hundred points that's for sure you i mean barely had they you had,
0: barely all, had they had all the tough guys that's why i all was the tough that's why i was drawn guys. to them and then i had to yeah I, in the last Five, seven years, I've lost faith and I had to get a side team. This is something we talked to pretty much all our guests about. I don't know if you believe in side teams. Can you get a side
2: team? Let me tell you something right now. I like, not only do I love football, I do love individual. No, I love football. I'm a football fanatic. Mm -hmm. That means I can't help but love individual players. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I grew up, I grew up, let me tell you something. I used to love me some damn Archie Manning. Mm -hmm. When I tell you right now and that team wasn't shit. You hear yeah, me? Yeah. The team wasn't shit. Come on. Yeah, you you know them saints. They, they were horrible. They were the ants. They had paper bags. The fans had paper bags on their head. Yeah. They didn't want to be seen in that stadium. Yep. But for some reason, I loved Archie Manning. Mm-hmm. I freaking loved him. And then I became a fan. See, that's being a true fan of fo- of, of football. People get mad at you sometimes when, when, you, when you have two teams. They don't understand. They, they don't understand that you are overall a fan of the sport. Yeah. That means you can like other players and say, "I love watching this guy play." Yeah. What he stands for, I love watching him. What he stands for, he got his teammates back. You know, you got you. You have to respect that. Yeah. You know. Um, no, I agree with that. I'm not a bandwagon. I'm not a bandwagon guy. I'm not a bandwagon guy. Those Saints lost a whole lot before they started winning.
0: Well, you're a Jets Uh, and a Knicks fan. You're a Jets and a Knicks fan. It's kind of hard hard to be a bandwagon. And
2: the the with my Knicks, man. You have to hang on. You got to hang on. But there's there's nothing wrong with you enjoying your sport that you love, the sport that you play, my brother. So you you you, you just got to enjoy it for what it is. You know, but we – then back to the Jets. They have got to – you gotta, you know, ain't nothing wrong with talking shit and getting punched in the mouth for it. You gotta talk that shit. You have got to. Everybody can't be scared, man. No, yeah. I'm telling you, you cannot be. You gotta be fearless, even in losing. You have to, and that's gonna that's gonna help management. It's gonna help the coaching. It's go, a coach can coach you, but he's gotta coach you through your personality and your effort you put on that field, man. Yeah, He can't create a new you. He can't. No, I've got to get happen. the best you, out of you. He's got to unlock whatever he, he, whatever asshole you
0: have in you or whatever, yeah. like, I don't give a fuck mentality you have in you. Yes. That's the key because you're working with the best you got. Like, the roster's not good right now in New York. It's just it's not. not. And that's why they brought my guy Joe Douglas in there, who I think is going to make a big difference, the GM. But, yeah, yeah. but like, what? here was the question we had because we're both big Curve fans. And this last season was, I thought it was magnificent. Uh, What went into you and Larry deciding to make a whole episode out of shitting on the Jets?
2: Oh, man. I don't want to take it as shitting on the Jets. (laughs) But I do. I do. I got to sympathize with Larry because Larry is a lot older than me. Larry's been going through it longer than me. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you, we can go on a set and Larry can talk about the Jets all day. If I allow him to get on the Jets... He can focus on every Larry. Larry might have been in the past uh, a pretty good coach for the for the Jets. Maybe. What's his coaching style? What's his coaching style? I think Larry will use the intangibles to win games. Mm. Little things that you know, little things that we don't think about sometimes in football. You know, there's so many things that go into your mindset when you walk on that field. You know what I mean? You know, Larry has this thing where he stares at people. And he, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe he gets in your head. He's, he gives you that look that Larry, the Larry David head tilt yeah. and look at your face. You're pretty good. You're pretty good. Maybe he throws that at you. I don't yeah. know. But we both know, you know, we can, we can get on set and we can talk Jet football all day because we know what you just have been through, but we also know a lot of missed opportunities that I feel like we could have capitalized on. You know, yeah. uh, we we we. Uh, I'm all, I'm always a little frustrated, you know, and, and believe me, man, I'm, I'm a jet. I'm a jet dude. I know all. I know all the guys. I know the management. Yeah. Everybody. Now, I, I would let me tell you something. If, if there was a use for me in my years right now, where I could not. I wouldn't bother getting tackled. I would crumble like a, like a stack of Legos. You hear me? I would fall apart like a goddamn...
0: But don't China step China. on some fucking Legos. If you step like on a, Legos, it really hurts. No, that's your ass. Yeah. Lego, that's my
2: Lego, your ass. Yeah. You step on a Lego you want
0: to. That, Man, now I got two kids. Stepped, right I, now, I stepped a on good, a fucking hey, Matchbox car today, dude.
2: Goddamn, that's a good goddamn idea. Yeah. Here's two things your ass can't walk on. Lego and upside-down cleats. Now, you you put a whole room full of upside-down cleats, right? Make all them go- hey, make all them goddamn players take their fucking shoes off, yeah. turn their cleats upside down. Yeah. You're in a locker room. Yeah. Your way out of that locker room through that tunnel to that field should be through a whole floor full of goddamn cleats. Because it's only going to get harder. That field, you feel what pain. feels like you feel the pain mm. walking out to that field on upside-down cleats. Fuck yeah. And, and get your mind right. Yeah. Get your mind right. Every game, you walk your ass out through that tunnel on upside-down cleats, you walk barefoot on them damn cleats, or a whole stack of goddamn square Legos, and you walk your <laughs> ass out there, and you get the job done on that field. Yeah. See, and I'm telling you, man, we have got to – we we can't overthink this. No, we, that's we why you just go overthink- straight
0: to the fucking cleats. You go old school, you – put a bunch of Legos on their training facility, and they have to practice on Legos with bare feet. Practice on
2: Legos and upside-down cleats? That's how you practice. That's that's a good-ass summer session. That's how we practice
0: when we won a Super Bowl. That's actually how we practice.
2: You you better. You better get your mind right. And and we also got to – we have got to – I just hate seeing players that we passed on have Mm.
0: tremendous success. It drives me – Who's, who's, the, who's the worst one you think?
2: Thinking right now. I mean, I can go back as far yeah. as I can, go, I can go back as far as you want to go. Yeah. You know, I know we, we probably could have had Lamar. Yeah. Lamar was way down. Nobody, nobody jumped on Lamar early. Yeah, I know. Jamal. He was sitting there. I know. He was sitting there. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying that my man Sam ain't gonna get the job done one day. Yeah. But I'm saying that that's an example of, you know, players that can bring something to the team. Yeah. You know, um of course we passed on Warren Sapp years ago. Oh, we yeah. passed on so many people who end up becoming Hall of Famers. And and I just feel like we had to really, you know, here's here's the thing about football. There's 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 going out there winning games. You gotta make a decision what you wanna do. You want to win games or lose games, or you wanna entertain.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That entertainment. That only satisfies the fans, but you're not that's not guaranteeing wins, but it will guarantee some excitement, which may in turn excite the other players on your team. That might that might be something the the effort that yeah. an, an exciting player brings to the team excites everybody. Yeah. Everybody start going for theirs.
0: You had a question about what was it? Sell us a
1: fire extinguisher, if you would.
2: Oh man. First, first you would open the door. First, I would knock on your door. And when you open the door. I'll Say hello sir. Hello, making. Or something like that. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe you open the door and you got a bowling shirt on. Let's just say you got a bowling shirt and yeah. your name is on your, on your tag, on your jacket, on your shirt, on your bowling shirt, and it says making. You know what I mean?
0: Um, like the dude in Big and, Lebowski.
2: Exactly. Jesus. You have, have is- making. You you have making. Maybe you had a nickname. Maybe it's making, making making. You know, like making. Making, you know what I mean? It's a kind of a little nickname everybody calls you. They call you Making because you're always making stripes. Making, you know strikes.
1: what I mean? Right. Yeah.
2: You yeah. know what I mean? Come yeah. on, man. I'm always speaking like this. You open the door. I say hello. Uh, I say hey, hey, Making, Making. Oh, then while the door's open, I put my foot in the door, in the doorway, so you can't close the door my face. Then I lean over ninety degrees and I look into your home and see what's going on back there. <laughs> Maybe you got a, a grandpa in a wheelchair. Or I see a baby stroller, or some kids, some little badass kids playing PlayStation yeah. Four. I don't know what's going on back there. I want to see what's going on in your house before I start to do my spiel on you to say this damn fire extinguisher. I want to make sure that you are qualified and that you really need that you really need one. if I leave, I lean over and all I see is dirty ass socks and, and a couch filled with potato chips and shit like that, and and ain't nothing going on back there. And I see the PlayStation on, you pause your game. The John Madden game or something like that to answer the door. You got spilled juice on the cu- on the couch. You know what I mean? Some dirty magazines or some shit like that going on back there. He you looks know. at dirty
0: magazines? Know. Does he look like a guy that would look at dirty magazines? He tried to hide it. He rolled
2: He rolled up and put it in his back pocket. He tried to hide it. But when I leaned over, I leaned. I saw all kind of stuff going on in there. Penhouse. And I seen, then, then I seen three or four other guys who looked just like him, dressed like him. Same yeah. juice around the mouth, you know, stains on that sh- piece of stains on that shirt. You know, I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this house burns down because <laughs> this, house ain't, this house ain't shit. This house ain't shit. You know what I'm saying? So, here's what, <laughs> so if I lean over there and I see quality things going on, happy family, I start to do my spiel. Yeah. I say, hey, let me ask you something, ma'am or oh, sir, do you have a fire extinguisher to, to protect your family? You know, um, I'm working for of the top. In, in, in the, I'm tops of my industry right now in fire extinguisher and fire safety. Yeah. So if I would really be so kind to, inclined to incline to remove my foot from holding this door and to come into your home to possibly sell you a fire extinguisher to protect your family and your grandpa back there in that goddamn wheelchair, I see you back there, grandpa. How you doing back there? I see you. I see you. I see you, Playboy. Ah, uh, what? I call, him, I call him. Yeah, I call him Playboy because yeah. that's reminiscence of his old days when yeah. he was a Playboy. Call that. And these honeys back in the days, you know, uh-huh. back in the day when they called ladies toots, uh-huh. you know that kind of stuff, toots. you know. But <laughs> they call them toots. They call them toots. <laughs> That's yeah. a
0: great callback there.
2: I'm <laughs> a good callback, right? Uh-huh. So, so then you let me in your home, I have my little fire extinguisher kit. I come into your home, you have a little coffee table, right? And I sit down and I said, I would like to give you a demonstration, and I took my my little my little my little, my little uh, kit up. I take my little metal pan out Put a metal pan on the table. Mm-hmm. I, take, I take lighter fluid, put lighter fluid on the table next to the pan. <laughs> no, you're not lighting the I get, fucking... I take out paint. a newspaper. This is my I take house. out a newspaper. Took out a newspaper. Or, or, in your case, making, I put my hand under the couch into that little cushion and pull out a dirty magazine. And I, tear, <laughs> I tear that magazine up to little pieces. Right? Little pieces. And you say, hey, what the hell are you doing, man? Right? And then I tear it up and I put that torn magazine, dirty magazine into the pan, the metal pan. And then I take the lighter fluid and I spray lighter fluid all over the dirty magazine, right? And then you say, hey man, are you about to start a fire in my house? And I say, and then I ignore your ass. And I, then I take out a so pack of matches, <laughs> right? A little book of matches. Now most people would light a match. They would light it on, it's a little, a little strike on the side of the box. right? But not me, but not me. Anybody can do that. That's for amateurs. Right. I like my matches like cartoon character. Cartoon characters get a match and they light the match off their ass, like that. <laughs> that's how cartoon characters do it. You'll see cartoons? They light the match off their ass. They yeah. go, and go like this and they, and that's how it sounds, like this. So I light that match and I start that fire and I go into uh, my, my kit and pull out my fire extinguisher. Now, in this case, You know, I got a brand new one. It's full of fire extinguisher fluid. You know, which is the freon base. Freon base is different than the white foamy shit that you spray all over the place and fuck fuck your whole place up. You know what I mean? I'm talking about a nice one. The one with the the one with the freon is clear. It just extinguishes the fire Mm -hmm. using freon. The cold freon extinguishes the fire.
0: I heard about. But you got to be sure.
2: Yeah, it's it's a nice foam. I spray it. I put your fire out. But, you know, on some occasions, one occasion in my, in my lifetime, I had one that I had used up. I didn't realize it was empty. And I started a fire in this person's home in a pan. And I didn't have anything in my fire extinguisher. And, <laughs> and damn near burnt someone's home down. They say, get the, they, all I, like, the last thing I heard was, get the fuck out of here.
0: <laughs> Where ran. was this? Hold on. What, what neighborhood was this in?
2: Oh, this is in Westchester, man, in Westchester County, in New York. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what year is this? By the way, for shit, the listeners, listen, JB listen, used man. to sell fire it was before, extinguishers. It was, it was before stand up, man, in the nineties.
0: Yeah, nineties. Okay.
2: Early nineties. Early early, early, nineties. Yeah. This
0: happened.
2: Yeah. Almost burned some shit down, man. You know you Willie know?
0: Nelson used to sell vacuum cleaners and you used to sp- sell fire extinguishers. Two of the most famous former salesmen in the world. Two of my most
2: famous salesmen in the world. Yeah. But you got, you got to have to get the gip gab. You do. You got to have to get the gip and gab to sell stuff door to door, man. You got to know how to get... You, your key to everything is getting in that house.
0: You got to know how to get in the house. Forcibly. Yeah, no, no, no. No, you just got to be smooth enough. The foot. The foot. You just need to put the foot in the door.
2: When you, it, with, see, with, with, fire, with fire extinguishers, you got to scare the shit out of somebody, number yeah. one. You got to make them realize that they are not prepared... For a fucking fire no. you are not you know here's how you tell you prepared for a fire you fuck around and start a grease fire you start a grease fire and and, and you try to put that shit out with no fire extinguisher mm-hmm. the first thing you would think of is grab some water and pour water on it no you pour water on that fucking grease fire you asking for it you yeah. might as well kiss that whole kitchen goodbye so long kitchen hey jb
1: I'm, I'm a 34 year old guy i wear khakis and collared shirts a lot i w- i'm a big fan of your work and i would like to incorporate the word motherfucker into my arsenal but i don't really know how to go about it i don't know where to stress the cadence is all off do you it, it have any
0: fucked. it sounds fucked
1: do you I have any it. advice as as for how i should be saying motherfucker
2: there's several ways to say it. Like you said, it's the cadence of it all. There's different situations where you use motherfucker. See, you, you have a... You, maybe you're saying it like this. Like you're saying like this all... You're just saying it straight across. Yeah. You have no cadence to it. You have no ups and downs to it. And different situations that require the word motherfucker. You can say, it like, you, you can't believe something? Motherfucker. See, that, that's a different cadence. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker. This motherfucker, this see that? One. This yeah. motherfucker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> motherfucker, no! See that? <laughs> Panic. There's different ways of using it, telling the story. So I told this motherfucker, see that? It's very matter of fact. Matter matter of fact is the delivery you want more. The the most commonly used one is the is the one that you use in conversation. Not the one. It's very rarely you are gonna get upset with somebody. Very, very rarely you're gonna call somebody a motherfucker to their face. Mm-hmm. So when you use it, you you you're commonly, more commonly, you're gonna use it in a in a in a in more of a uh, in a discussion with someone. Uh-huh. You know, you're telling a story about something that happened. You know, I said motherfucker, why me? See that motherfucker, why me?
0: Mm-hmm. See now that all goes together. You know? Do you want to try it? Yeah. Why don't, we give, you, why don't we give you a situation? And I got you, it. I got you got it? it? Um,
1: how tall are you, JB? I'm 6'3". So that means we got two 6'3 motherfuckers right here and one 6'4 <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. Tall yo guy. He is tall.
2: Yo, man, yo man that, that came out of you like massive. Oh, hey,
1: Woo-hoo. all credit to you. No, I focused on the content of what I was saying, not really the motherfucker part, and then the motherfucker part flowed.
2: You can't. You ain't even though you said, motherfucker. You wait the person who you talking to didn't even hear, motherfucker.
1: Right? Because no.
2: the way you
0: weaved it in there so clean. Woo! Hey, dude, get his meditation thing, okay? Which Book, is yeah,
1: and Book of Leon, and
0: Book of Leon for those of y'all listening, and we'll get you back here soon. JB Smooth, appreciate you, man. Appreciate hey, I you, and thanks for, for the artwork too, in the background. Hey,
2: I got a I got a, a nickname for you too, Chris. What is it? Chris Long. Story Short. Woo!
0: <laughs> I like that. I've been looking for a nickname, and I can't give myself one. Right, like
2: hey, write that shit down. Long Story Short.
0: We I'm might have you, to man. make a segment called Long Story Short.
2: Man, whatever, man. Do, do what you gotta do, man. Thanks, I just, bro. You know, I'll just, just give all day,
0: man. Hey, I'll see you after that victory, man. Fuck yeah, call us. We'd love to have you back on, man. <laughs> Big fan, all appreciate right, you, man. Said, man. This has been awesome, dude. Y'all be good, man. Thanks, bro. Thanks, J.B. See you Cheers. All right, well, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, how do we transition to this slate of football games? Including the Jets game, which uh, is low on my list. So this is the, the worst slate of the season. It's not good. Uh, if you're into drama, there is drama. There's, uh, there's a plenty of bad, good games here. But there's no there's very few good, good games. And I could even make an argument that there's actually not a single good, good game the entire Sunday slate.
1: There's basically one game with a spread under a touchdown.
0: Okay, and that's why I think this weekend could be like awesome in a weird way. Oh. And let me tell you why. I guess we could start with with Indy Cleveland. That's the one big game, right? That's basically a pick'em.
1: It's, it's the competitive one, says Vegas.
0: Says Vegas. Uh, one thing to look at is in Indianapolis is maybe missing Darius Leonard. Oh, that's not good. Not good at all uh, for that defense Uh, that has been so good. Who do you believe in more? Because you've got – they both played nobody, really. The Browns are averaging 40 points uh, over the last three games, Washington, Dallas, and Cincy. And then the Colts have won three in a row, giving up nine and a half per since week two. So that was the Vikings, Jets, and Bears on that slate. Like, God, this is just – and it's two Midwestern cities. Just kind of like this bowl bowl game is just – it's not. It's not a sexy marquee game.
1: No, nah, this is the Motor Oil Bowl played in. But it's Ford what's on, t-
0: it's on. It's on what's on TV. That's right. The Shreveport Bowl, the AutoZone Bowl.
1: I think long term, I like the Browns better. In this game, I like the Colts. I, I like that Colts defense. I mean, Darius Leonard's health pending. Yeah. I uh, I think they are are more solid at this stage in the game. Cleveland. Cleveland sounds like, uh, feels like more of the, the Josh Allen experience. I like
0: Cleveland. This Sunday? This Sunday, I think I like Cleveland. I think I just decided that. So you like the Colts more, I like Cleveland more this Sunday. Um, now New Orleans uh, and the Chargers are gonna be the late game. That's another one I had pretty high on my list. Saints have a ton of injuries, gotta see who's gonna suit up, but we just got the word that Herbert's the guy do, 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 do choo choo um, Shocking, but also a tough situation for Anthony Lynn. I mean, he had a big part in drafting the guy, so all this tough talk about, oh, you know, well, that's why he's the backup and that sort of thing, that seems like a long time ago. The guy has delivered every week in a lot of different situations. They haven't been able to win a bunch with him, but I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod. Lynn said Taylor did not take
1: the decision well but believes Taylor will continue to mentor Herbert the rest of the season.
0: And they'd never do this. I'd love to see if somebody is in need of a quarterback like a contender that Taylor could be, you know, jettisoned elsewhere.
1: I I don't necessarily think he's your guy, but he's but
0: he's not, he's not, but just, I just would love to see him get one last shot here because the past few shots have been Peterman, Mayfield, and now like the cannon, Justin Herbert. Um, so it's been bad luck for him. Dallas, New York. This is the Jason Garrett Bowl. I cannot freaking wait for this game. I don't know why I didn't say fuck in there because we said it about 40 times in this podcast with J.B. Smoove.
1: Yeah, 400.
0: You said it even. I did. Hope that doesn't affect the market.
1: <laughs> I trust that all of uh, my iterations were cut out.
0: Also, your buyers probably say the word fuck from time to time. They're adults.
1: Yeah, but you can't trust a guy who says fuck a lot. Yeah? Yeah, it's not
0: a trustworthy a tinge word. Of, there was a tinge of I mean, this seemed a little personal. I say the word a bunch. Right. Some and would I, say I'm very trustworthy.
1: No, I, I think you are. I'm speaking more about
0: Slinging cribs. Oh, slinging cribs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want like some like, potty-mouth real estate agent It's <laughs> like, how the fuck do you like this house? <laughs> 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 do, do you see the daylight basement on this, motherfucker?
2: <laughs>
0: do you know what the fuck this is? This is a wolf range. Viking stove on that ass. And then they're like, sir, are there any easements in this motherfucker? Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's still the first one. How the fuck do you like this? <laughs> I'm crying.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm gonna be, you're gonna be crying Sunday cause I have a feeling that the Giants are gonna lose in some tragic fashion. Even the Giants Aren't going to be able to beat the Cowboys, and they're going to lead you on. <laughs> you're going to be looking at some fucking single-family home streaming the game on your mobile device, and you're going to see Jason Garrett dejected walking to midfield to shake uh, hands with his his former players. I um I can't wait for this game because it's just going to be sheer carnage. If the Cowboys get beat by the Giants. Wow. Uh, also, can you name five Giants defensive starters?
1: No, that's embarrassing. I can't.
0: That tells you where they are right now because this guy actually really likes the Giants. He had a German Shepherd named Tiki. Yeah, rest in peace. R-I-P-I-P, which is part of my take thing, so sorry. Is that what the, that's their thing?
1: I think so, but I don't really know what it
0: Rest stands in peace, in peace. Okay. We get two first take bowls in a row. Last week we had... Dallas Cleveland and we saw the screaming that ensued on cable television in sports coming off the weekend somebody on first takes going to have an aneurysm like a minor aneurysm that they're okay after if the cow- if the Cowboys lose this game like it's it's going to be interesting Vegas Kansas City uh listen the only way the Raiders can hang here because the Chiefs have gone off on them The average margin of victory in the Pat Mahomes era is 22 points. The only way that the Raiders have a shot here is shorten the game. And Josh Jacobs was talking about this with Stanford Steve on the Greenlight Gambling Show. Seven yards a pop against the Chiefs last year. So, you're gonna see him early and often. Steve likes the under here. I think that makes sense, but it's also ballsy to bet the under in a Chiefs game. Worked out on Monday. Hey, I got a question for you. The big three, Hill, Elair. Kelsey, take them and put them on random teams without Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, who's the best? Ooh, Travis Kelsey. I agree. Hey, three games in 11 days for the Chiefs, so they're gonna look back at this time and be like, hey, we're better for it, but that wasn't a lot of fun. Cincy-Baltimore is a game that I'd like to see as well. Quietly, a bunch of tight ball games over the last decade. 19 times they've played, how many one-score games over the last decade, if you had to guess? I'll guess 10. 14. Wow. So, we're gonna see Burrow facing the best team he's seen yet, and uh, he's gonna get the heat brought on him. That's what they do. They, they're gonna bring bodies, and uh, I like the Bengals in the points. About 13 is whats is what they're getting right now. Did you know Joe Burrow is older than Lamar Jackson? I'm sure I did at one point. Fun fact, you could probably catch that on one of the cable TV shows this mm-hmm. week. Uh, Minnesota-Seattle, low-key entertaining. The total is really high. Dalvin Cook, look out. That front could have a long day, but Seattle's going to win that game. Also, Daniil or Danelle Hunter? Do you know that one? I do. Daniil. Talking about sitting out the season because of a neck, and I couldn't agree with him more. Don't mess around with your neck, not for this team.
1: It's spelled Danielle, if I'm not mistaken. It's really, it's another one that
0: I struggle with. Philly-Pittsburgh, uh, I, I like that one. You like that one. Yeah. I like that one too. I mean, I got the tie-dye shirt on.
1: Yeah, Eagles. But points.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're getting a touchdown. Um, the scariest part of the whole game is you've got guys with all due respect. It's 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 the best right tackle in the game, and he looks to his left, and he sees Jason Kelsey and then a bunch of strangers, like guys that he has just not lined up with. And you're going to have Hayward, Dupree, Watt, um, watch for the D line on the other side to go off too, because I think the Eagles are going to have a big day. Best in the East there. Tomlin's nine and four off a buy. Is this an actual buy? This was a fake buy. Yeah, this well, I consider it a buy. Zero and
1: zero off. Novel coronavirus pandemic buys.
0: It's like a stolen buy. It's even better. Uh, we got the Kyle Allen Bowl in Washington in the rain. That should be just perfectly ugly, and God forbid Kyle Allen wins the game. We're going to get rain. Yeah. We're getting rain all weekend. Hey, and we got the Flacco bowl that we talked about with our guy, uh, JB. So did you know Flacco is a foot taller than Kyler and probably 20 years older? No. It's the weird, like their quarterback handshake. If they do that this weekend, that's the one reason to watch the game. The one reason, uh, and if you're Flacco, you get Le'Veon Bell back, and you're playing the Cardinals D. So, Alonzo, morning gift for him. Yeah, nice. He's like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to play this year. But
1: I just had one of those with with rumors of rain. Yeah, because I uh, aerated and overseeded my lawn. So rain's coming, but
0: hmm. got that in about a week ago, That's which is good. nice. This is good timing. Yeah, real good timing. Uh. And then we'll see how much Houston likes Romeo Connell because that's what it's going to be all about. If they win, then it was Bill's fault all along. But if they lose this game, it's going to be interesting. Carolina-Atlanta, who cares? Polar opposite game. I mean, you got a team that's riding high and a team that's like, when is our coach going to get fired? It could be any week now. By the way, Calvin Ridley, Monday night. Oof. i got to set my lineup. We're playing each other this Damn week. Damn it. You I wasn't going to say anything. It's uh, seven twenty-three. Shoot. Uh. The teams on Thursday night play in hey, just a few minutes. Do
1: you know your brother doesn't run his team? Who runs his team? I don't know. And I was going to sit on this story.
0: Well, he's a cheater.
1: Because he's doing pretty well. But I proposed him a trade via
0: text message. And he said that he didn't know how to log into the thing. Oh, my God. He's not running his team. Correct. Kyle Long has no integrity. No fucking integrity. I'm going to beat you this week. And you know who I'm going to beat you with? Evan Ingram and Danny Dimes that would that would that would that would hurt that would be full circle That'd wouldn't it a silver lining yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i gotta put uh oh juju smith schuster <sighs> i hate to do that though huh
1: this is entertaining wow you had you had three guys you weren't gonna play had you not set your lineup
0: yeah well you know um i'm not a total moron cardinals defense special teams That's going to work out well for me. Why
1: don't you throw Chris Godwin in there playing tonight? He's a big big number guy. I
0: hear when he's healthy, he's really good. Yeah. Fucking asshole. Um, Miami, San Francisco, I am really interested in this game before we close this thing out. There's going to be a lot of scoring. This might be the low-key fun game of the weekend. Also, really good uniforms, right? What? Yeah. You don't like Miami's
1: unis? I like when they wear the merinos, their their number fonts all screwed up. I mean
0: I just think it's a watchable game on grass. It's gonna be nice and sunny down there. It's gonna be raining here. It's a way to like enjoy some sunshine through the TV. I love the colors. Yeah, the colors are great. Okay, the colors is where I'm getting at. It's a watchable game. Okay. It's a really watchable game. A lot of scoring. Niners don't win this game, book it. They're not going to the playoffs. Next seven games are brutal. Look at it on the schedule. Uh, I might take the Dolphins on the money line. You don't know. You don't know. You're gonna get Jimmy G back. Mostert, not sure. Denver, New England, again, move to Monday, right? Also, who cares? Ripen, Stidham. I gotta piss really bad. So let's finish this podcast. Y'all take care.